Welcome to Unboxing Fulfillment, the modern B2C fulfillment podcast. I'm your host, Chad Rosecca. And in this episode, I'm joined by Jeff Househalter, partner at Chicago Consulting. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I think our listeners, Jeff, would love to hear probably just a little bit about your background, how you wound up where you are today, and then we can get into it and talk a little bit of distribution networks, if that sounds good. Sure. Maybe to start out, I did not start out as a child and say I wanted to be in supply chain management. So I graduated from college with a degree in economics and computer science, went to work as a financial analyst for a couple of years, and then became a supply chain consultant for a small consulting company called NetSource Management. Went from there to Chicago Consulting, and I've been at Chicago Consulting for almost the last 20 years now. So you're one of the uh, few people that didn't grow up wanting to do this, then you're the exception. (laughs) True. Some people do, you know, as a little boy, they, they play with trains and they think I'm going to, I'm going to be a logistician, but I did not. Okay. So I've been excited to talk about this. We were talking a little bit prior to joining the, uh, the episode on the intro and how much warehouse distribution networking is becoming more and more and just popular, but required. And so this segment will dedicate to uh, mostly that topic. You know, I read that you talked about that warehouse distribution networking is just one of the most important decisions. Can we just talk about that a little bit? And why do you put that at the top of your list as, as being so important? Sure. So I guess I, I can talk about it, first of all, just from warehouse distribution perspective, and then maybe transition into maybe a life experience. But where you decide and how many warehouses you put out there, so where and how many, really affects a couple things. One is your ability to compete, your ability to handle growth, and most importantly, the cost structure that you're going to operate under and the service which you're going to provide to your customer. And by service, typically we mean the time it's going to take from an order to get from a warehouse to that customer's door and potentially back if there's any return leg or reverse logistics involved. I would say personally, it's kind of like making a decision of where to live. Once you pick a city, buy a house, certain decisions become fixed. So, you know, you're living in a certain area, certain constraints all of a sudden become imposed on you. Just like deciding where to live, putting your warehouses down are costly. They involve your company. And it's something that you should absolutely pay a lot of attention to. I'm sure you have some good stories, positive and negatives about companies or your own experiences that have made those moves. Any particular ones jump out like a, when did it go horribly wrong? And when did it make sense? And that turned into a good result. Yeah, I will say companies come to us for two reasons. One is there are some companies that are very strategic and have thought of you know their warehouse network as something that they need to evaluate on a more periodic basis. But I would say the majority of our companies come to us with a sort of problem, and they think that their network is the cause or at least one of the causes of that problem. So it could be that they're growing and their facilities out of space. It could be that they have a new competitor that opened up a warehouse in a different region of the country, and they feel that they're at a competitive disadvantage. 
So there's usually some sort of catalyst that actually forces the decision, comes from sales, it comes from operation, that we just can't continue in the same building anymore. We need to move. And then that question that follows is, should we expand the current facility or should we open up another warehouse somewhere else? You're right. It's just like kind of a house. Like, do you spend the the money and to remodel and to upgrade the current house? Or do you make the decision to move after you've had five kids and there's no more space to live? Yep. But the example that you just used, I think, was forced decisions. Do you find that many shippers are moving and recognize the value in moving to expanded distribution network models? Or do you think it's always because of some forced decision that you just described? I think from my experience, it seems like it's always when there's a forced decision and rarely are people that proactive and thinking about future state uh, nodes and networks. But what would spin your experience? You know, there's some companies that all of a sudden have either a very seasonal product or a selling season that they have to really do well in. And if they miss that season, then they have a lot of time to evaluate their inventory, what they did right, what they did wrong, and kind of gear up for that next sales season. So for those companies that are seasonal, the off season, so to say, is really one where they give it a lot of thought and they say, where did we miss sales? Where did we fall down? And would a new warehouse or a different warehouse structure help us? Is it the case where somebody's moving to either speed to market, like final mile? Is it generally cost-driven or is it space constraint from your experience that you see when customers or shippers are talking about it? You know, we put out a annual study, which is the 10 best warehouse networks. So we answer the question, if you had one warehouse to put in the United States, where would that be? If you had two, where would they should be? You know, so on up to 10. So some companies just look at that report, look at some of the benchmark mileage that comes out of those, you know, that study and basically decides, um, okay, I'm, I see some opportunity if I were to go from one to two. To go back to your question, I would say it is more difficult for companies that are currently only in one facility to jump to two. But once they've jumped to two and they're considering about going to three or four or five or some larger number, each one becomes a lot more routine in terms of how they actually behave and try and put together that next warehouse. You know, they've done it, they've either used an outsourced company or they've done it themselves, and they just feel more comfortable going with more warehouses than fewer. I will say speed is absolutely something that everyone's interested in. I will say with the pandemic in the last year's struggles, profitability is kind of winning over speed in a lot of markets where next day isn't as important, but Maybe two days good, mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily need to go that fast. One thing I'm hearing, Jeff, a lot of conversation when I get into this topic is customers want the speed to the market. In some instances, they view the cost as kind of cost of doing business to, to be competitive and where they're getting hung up though. And they recognize the need to scale right in a future state network. But what I'm hearing where customers 
are struggling to commit to the expanded network is just the port time relating to inventory, whether it's getting chassis and just the cost of having more inventory spread around the country. Is, is that part of the survey by chance or any context to, to offer up? Absolutely. So when we would go through a, a warehouse network analysis, we look at a couple different things. One is just where your customers are. So what your customer pattern would be. But then we also look at your inventory deployment. So if you have one warehouse, all that inventory is typically under one roof. So it can't be in the wrong place. But once you go from one warehouse to two warehouses, you have to develop a stocking strategy. And that could be that one warehouse mirrors the other warehouse and that you have basically a duplication of items or you adopt a more advanced model where you may have a larger facility that holds everything and some smaller facilities that are closer to customers that maybe hold your A items, you know, your faster movers. This creates problems though, if a customer orders one of one and another product that's in a different warehouse, and now you're shipping two shipments to that customer for one order, and that gets costly. So the idea, the goal would be absolutely focus on inventory, but be able to deliver one shipment to that customer if you can't. Yeah. Unlike the Amazon network, for an example, where sometimes they're not married up and out of the same facility. You know, Amazon absolutely has that problem. They have two problems, actually. One, their facilities are so large that sometimes it's difficult to marry up the same item if it's in different places in the warehouse. So even within the same warehouse, items are coming in and it may be more costly for them to wait and try and marry them up versus just ship them in two separate packages. But absolutely, for those of you who are or the listeners who are Amazon customers, if you track where your packages come, they can come from all over the country and that's their network. Yeah, I was going to comment on that. You know, there's obviously pros and disadvantages relating to the size even of a distribution center if you consolidate. But one of those I was going to just make reference of is sometimes the buildings that get so big, even under the roof in the four walls, it doesn't get out on the same day, especially for lightweight packages that it may be cheaper to put that cost into the shipping as opposed to the dwell time with inventory. That all kind of being said, I'm curious, uh, you, you've had to have all sorts of experience throughout the years of integrating networks and optimized projects. Any particular stories that kind of stick out for a listener? Fun, you know, that's worth sharing that for those that may be ready to go through the same thing that you've done probably dozens of times. Yeah. So we, we typically sometimes correct our clients because they may view this as a service exercise or a cost exercise, but don't necessarily view it as both. So what we mean by service is really just the warehouse outbound, but cost-based warehouse network is taking into account all the costs from where the product is made to your warehouse and then back out to maybe another warehouse and maybe even out to the customer from there. So that cost-based network is a little bit harder to model, but you know, for those people who are kind of coming to us and say, well, I want to do a warehouse network analysis, we'll say, okay, well, we can do it service-based, which is relatively quick, or we can do it cost-based and really it's going to be a more comprehensive answer, but it's going to take longer. And we've had some companies that are just interested in one, 
you know, they, I want to get it done quick. I want to do the service-based analysis. But at the end of the day, the next question they have is, well, what kind of benefits am I going to have? How can I quantify justifying a new warehouse? And they run into the same problems. In terms of funny stories, I guess there's always people who have the opinion of where they should put their warehouse. And the longstanding joke is somewhere warm for the (laughs) clients that are in the north. So they have a place to go in winter. Some of the things that they also ask for is something that's close to a major airport. So they don't have to waste a day or two of travel to get there. So those are oftentimes jokes, but those are absolutely things that actually do play some role because weather, for example, is something that can impact your shipments. And you do want to visit your warehouses. And if you have a warehouse that's in the middle of nowhere, it may be difficult to, to do those check-ins and you know, time is money. Yeah, it's a half-truth for sure. I've got plenty of experiences where the person, you know, the decision maker, it's closest to the decision maker. Uh, it's where the distribution center happens to be until that person's no longer with the organization. And then you go through the process all over again and it changes to where the new decision maker lives. Yeah, they put a warehouse in Colorado and there were no customers nearby, but that's where someone went skiing. So, so how often should organizations go through the network analysis, whether it was the service or the cost exercises? What's an ideal time frame or frequency rate generally that, that somebody should put the calories into and go through that work? It's a great question. All companies should have some benchmarks that allow them to understand whether or not their network is working or not. So those either zones or miles traveled, number of shipments, activity, where your customers are, those types of output measures really help you understand what that cost to serve a customer is. But you should probably review those statistics I would say probably every three to six months and see if they're really changing and if it's something that can be impacted. Ideally, there should be an annual sort of strategic planning meeting where companies are figuring out whether or not there's a new entrant or new threat in the marketplace. How can we compete better? A lot of times that's time to coincide with the sales meeting. So we get the feedback from the sales group. A lot of times it it happens reactively. There's a merger, there's a divestiture. So there's something that's causing the network to change that kind of forces it reactively as opposed to being more proactive. Yeah. There's some kind of an event typically that leads you down the path. So how often do you think it really occurs? So if, if that's the ideal frequency in which we should be looking at networks and going through those exercises, I would say in today's market, COVID definitely introduced a shock. Rising oil prices have really introduced another shock. Labor availability has introduced a shock. So when you look at some of those factors and you say, we designed a warehouse network when oil was $40 a barrel. Now oil's $100 a barrel. So are we in the right places given our transportation or, you know, one of the biggest drivers of transportation costs is fuel. And then second is labor. You know, are we putting people, are we in a marketplace where we can get access to trucks, access to people to work in our warehouse, quality workforce, yet still be close to our customers? 
Do you have, I would imagine, some kind of checklist that you use, best practice, you know, that you check down to see what uh, all, all those things that you should be contemplating? Yeah. So, you know, one of the easiest was if you just go to our website, www.chicago-consulting.com, you can see what those 10 best warehouse networks are, understand how effective they are. Now, understand that this is for packages that would just go to the U.S. population. So this would go to, you know, if you had to ship a package to every person in the United States, this would be the best location. But if you have, you know, tells you percent same day, next day, two day, three day, average distance. And you can see where the model changes, the territories change based on where you decide to put a warehouse. So that gives you some feedback in terms of just how does your network perform? You know, if you have one warehouse and you're on top of our best location, you might be well serviced to cover the U.S. population. But then you have to ask the second question, where are your sales? If your customers don't track with the U.S. population, we had a company that was in the agricultural market. So they sold farm equipment. And that's almost inversely proportional. You know, the farms are where people aren't. So our population-based network wasn't as valuable to them as their dealer network, where their dealers were and where their customers were. That's a great example where you shouldn't just assume it's knowing your customers and your you know, customer's business. We have outliers like that ourselves that may be a centralized or consolidated Northeast presence and the rest of the U.S. is, is maybe irrelevant to uh, 90% of their sales. So as a listener who's thinking right now, and I'm joining this podcast and I'm trying to learn a little bit about networks and when to optimize it, why to optimize it, kind of the, the pros and the cons. And then in their head right now, they're thinking, okay, yeah, we probably need to go through this exercise, but how long will this thing take? How long will it actually take to optimize it? Because they keep putting it off, right? For reasons. What's a guidance that you would give the listener who's about going through this effort? Is it a three-month process? Is it a year? Once they get to that point and they commit to getting it under the hood? You know, we've done some projects under more emergency basis. So as little as four to six weeks. And that's because there's a time pressure to really get an answer because there's a merger. We have five warehouses and we know that we're going to only want to stick with three. So which of those three warehouses should survive and which two should close with a decision having to be made relatively soon? There are other projects that typically last a lot longer. They're more what we would call multi-echelon networks where you may have a hub and spoke network, where you have one larger facility or larger facilities that feed smaller facilities. And that network is a lot more difficult. Or you have a network that has different channels involved. So you might have a B2B, B2C, combinations of those ship to store. The stores act as a shipping point themselves. So, you know, that's kind of a real it's a level of difficulty that has to be considered because you're now looking at the sales channel along with the physical infrastructure. Yeah. Good point. So it depends like anything, but you can at Chicago consulting on the short end, you can do it over the course of a few intense weeks if you had to. If we have to, yeah, I would say typically maybe a project is somewhere between a month to two months. Okay. In that time frame, we can give an answer 
to where they should be. And then a lot of it is diving into issues that might be important to the client. So now once you've picked a general region of the country that you'd want to pursue, so maybe something at a three-digit zip code level. So in Chicago, you might say you'd want a warehouse in three-digit zip 606. We then can start the process of looking at sites, talking about labor availability, talking about transportation availability, because the model may recommend a location, but we also want to make sure that that location has good access to people, an understanding of what the labor rate differentials might be. Is there a possibility to use 3PLs or not? Are you going to be building your own building? You know, those are types of questions that are typically answered once the locations have been specified. One other thing I wanted to get your perspective on, Jeff, I wish this could go on for four hours, really. But the producers don't wish that, but I would love it. One thing I'm really interested in is just kind of a change of subject altogether from the network is, you know, there's a lot of pressure right now to just bring costs down in our environments relating to fulfillment, not so much transportation. That's a separate piece, but within the fulfillment four walls, any particular low hanging fruit or initial things that come to your mind of, of how to cut cost in our environments today? Absolutely. You know, if we're just talking the parcel market, adding another warehouse typically can reduce your parcel costs. So going from one to two or two to three allows you to reduce your average zone to customers and save time and get those shipments to those customers faster. What I would say is low-hanging fruit typically are companies that expedite a lot of their shipments. So they're using a faster mode like a tour next day air, but they have a lot of internal processing time. So the package stays in the facility longer than it actually takes to go over the road. But what the customer experiences is that total lead time. So in some cases, we've seen it to be, you know, three or four days when a package is shipped by next day air. You could, you know, reduce your internal time, move to a slower mode and, and absolutely put some dollars back in your pocket. Great point, especially to your earlier, uh, how the conversation started on, the, uh, on that big fulfillment facility that it may not get out the same day, despite uh, the two orders not joining up with one another. We had a company that they were featured in the South Beach diet and overnight their sales all of a sudden became, you know, they had the hottest product that everyone need, needed to eat their food because it would do all these wonderful things. And they were located in the Midwest. Unfortunately, a lot of the readers of the book were located in warmer areas along the water. So just more of a body conscious network. You know, it's just one of those things where they were absolutely in the wrong place to service Southern Florida, California, these warm states from the north. So it's, it's being fulfilled in Columbus, Ohio, and the customers are in probably literally South Beach. Yeah, that kind of example. Yeah. And, you know, it's just difficult to get that product that far at low cost. So absolutely that was something where they were considering a a new warehouse or warehouses and trying to understand what that that total cost would be you know you save in transportation but you have to put inventory there and you have to staff and run a warehouse or pay someone to do it for you so balancing those costs you just can't keep adding warehouses even amazon has scaled back and said you know we overbuilt 
and we're pulling back on our real estate portfolio because they just don't see the demand occurring like it was during the pandemic. Yeah, it's after the click, from the moment the click is executed that you're on the clock, as I like to call it. And there's such a focus on one or two day transit, but it's the time the click gets in to having payments get cleared to the actual IT interfacing and fulfillment and making sure you make the truck that night so it doesn't default to the following day. There's so much that sits within the cycle time where costs can kind of be restructured Yep. One to improve the, you know, the customer experience, but but second is to do it efficiently and responsibly. We would also say just that optimal packaging. So looking at your packaging, your dead air space in your packages, construction methods, how you ship is absolutely something we see as low-hanging fruit. We oftentimes help companies with their carton regime. So how many boxes should they have and what their dimension should be? So if you can take air out, reduce your dimensional surcharges, and fit an order much more like a glove. Yeah, well well said. We recently had a customer who shipped, uh, we went from boxes to poly bags, thinking poly bags was the better alternative for that reason. But the problem is when you put multiple sweaters or shirts, it kind of stretches the poly bags. All of a sudden, the dimensions start changing versus a box, at least it's fixed but getting the right size corrugate versus incorrectly even using the poly bag where it actually ended up costing more because it would expand a little bit out of the poly bag. Yeah. Well, and if people don't tape the tails right, all of a sudden the yes. strip is long. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of uh, operational things that, you know, we, we really like to staple ourselves to an order, walk through the warehouse, talk to people, see a facility before we make recommendations on where to add a facility. Because oftentimes we can find improvements within the warehouse that buy them some time. But when we hit a facility that's doing all the right things, the aisles are full, <laughs> they're at capacity, you know, the band-aid does have to be ripped off, so to say, and yeah. they need to figure out a, an overflow of some sort. This episode is sponsored by Amware Fulfillment. Amware is a third-party fulfillment company that provides pick, pack, and ship services to established direct-to-consumer brands. With fulfillment centers in every region of the U.S., Amware supports one- to two-day ground delivery to 95% of the country. In short, Amware takes care of everything after the click. Learn more at AmwareFulfillment.com. Well, I know we're uh, unfortunately come up on the time, uh, Jeff, and I appreciate the time that you've given us. Just one last time, if you don't mind for the listeners, I know you'd mentioned it earlier, but where can people go to get in touch with you and just know just a little bit more about uh, Chicago Consulting? Sure. Our website is www.chicago-consulting.com. We do a free warehouse network evaluation. So if you tell us where your warehouses are, we can tell you the service level that you can get out of those warehouses in perspective to the U.S. population. So that's free, and we would encourage your listeners to take us up on that. Fantastic. And we'll, we'll share it as well on our sites and blogs. And once again, I appreciate it, Jeff. And this concludes our episode of Unboxing Fulfillment, the modern B2C fulfillment podcast. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.